Hey guys, welcome back to another edition of the Whole Brother Mission podcast. I'm glad to have you back. So today's discussion, I have Shauna Murray Brown, uh, a friend of mine that I connected with not too long ago in this uh, counseling, therapy, healing, wholeness, wellness space uh, by way of the Whole Brother Mission. Um, and I always think of her as Healer Sister, which is her uh, handle on a lot of platforms. But that's the focus of, of what she's do- what she does is, is healing for black women um, and, and men as well, because it's, it's not um, I don't think it's gender specific with what she does. But there's an emphasis on, on women. And when it comes to that conversation, I think it's important that we as men are a part of that conversation. So I thought it fitting uh, by way of the hope of the mission. For us to have this discussion because uh, we as men can contribute to the healing process of, uh, of women. And unfortunately, there are several uh, themes in our history as black people that can point to us being a part of the breaking uh, to begin with. So I think it's healthy for us to have this conversation. I'm going to address this now because I know that there are the um, I'm an alpha male types out there that don't like conversations like this, but I'll just address it directly that um, I think that uh, brothers, we need to be more, more open to having conversations like this and asking women what they need from us uh, outside of the women that we're pursuing or dating as well from a more communal sense. And we need to be open to these conversations when men are inviting women in or when men are leading it without accusing them of doing it to get women. You know, many times I've found that when men speak about what women are going through as an advocate, we'll undercut them by saying you're just doing that because you're trying to get at her or you're trying to get her. Um, And while some do that with an ulterior motive, uh, we're here doing it with the focus of of healing and uh, wellness within our community, especially when we consider all this that's going on right now. Um, It's just an unlimited number of things that we can be down and out about so I hope that this conversation can bring a level of hope, uh, hopefulness, wholeness, uh, inspiration in the midst of all that is going on. So with that extensive introduction, Shauna, welcome to the Whole Brother Mission podcast. How are you? I'm good. I'm so happy to be here. I'm glad you're here as well. So I gave a brief synopsis of what you do, but could you go ahead and kind of unpack it more? I'm sure more eloquently. Uh, Healer Sister, what's that about? Absolutely. So the handle Healer that came from, I guess I would say it's really rooted in my experience first as a little black girl um, and then growing into a black woman, identifying what healing spaces I wished were held for me. And that really transformed from me holding healing space for black girls in the city of Baltimore, where I'm from, to listening to what the girls said and then expanding that to holding space for their mothers and other black women, which um, uh, morphed into the Heal Sister project. Um, and then later um, transformed into an added sort of initiative that really holds the space for black men, women, um, folks of color generally, um, black children, anyone that identifies themselves as a change maker or a person working for um, radical change. So that's one aspect of my work, which is holding healing space and community to help us remember how to heal ourselves, help us to be able to connect it to um, our culture um, and to be able to amplify that in a way that's really powerful. And the other part of my work is training um and holding healing space for folks that say they got our backs. So (laughs) therapists, um, human service professionals, educators, principals, um, folks that work in the philanthropic sector, I'm training them and how their healing is connected to the work that they do on behalf of specifically black and brown and indigenous community. And so I'm teaching them about race, racism, oppression, colonialism and how what their responsibility is to help us and allow us to heal Absolutely, that's my part yeah thank you thank you um Mm -hmm. uh, so when i first was was introduced to you i was under the impression that you were still doing like one-on-one sessions in terms of therapy but i know you're not doing that right now but could you also Mm -hmm. uh just because you know our main 
our main thing we're known for is the counseling therapy piece. Could you also speak to your experience with that and your studies as well? Absolutely. So um, I am trained as a clinical social worker, um, transformed into an integrative psychotherapist, which means sort of honoring um, traditional wisdoms of healing and then juxtaposing that to more Western perspectives around what does medicine and research say will support us in our wellness. Um, my work has taken me from working in detention centers, working in community providing therapy, working in a schools, schools providing therapy, um, and, and my the space where I spent the most time was providing both community-based and grassroots um, integrative psychotherapy to black folks um, in the city of Baltimore. And so, you know, my, I have an MSW or a master's in social work from the University of Maryland, Baltimore, um, and I'm currently a doctorate student at the University of Maryland, Baltimore in the School of Social Work. All right. You know, I, I just, <laughs> because I'm in the program now, I just laughed to myself. I said, it's interesting that either of us have time to have this interview right now, <laughs> considering <laughs> listen, doctoral you, studies. you <laughs> ready for us to have this conversation for a long time, and I'd right. be like, what? Hey, I'm gonna get. I promise. I would be like, "Oh my bad, it's my bad." <laughs> no, nah, we all good because I'm I'm in it now, so I completely understand. I completely <laughs> understand, and I'm not even at the dissertation. I'm not even nowhere near dissertation yet. I'm just like, "Oh, this is um, this is yeah." Um, so, atrocity. <laughs> it is a yeah. real deal journey. Yeah. I just hope. I just want to <laughs> stay in. I'm just you know. I need to stay in. <laughs> you got this. We got this. Absolutely, absolutely. So. One thing that I think will uh, easily catch everyone's attention is this protect black women. That has been a hashtag for a while, but it spiked more recently. And uh, for me, they go hand in hand, protect black women, heal black women. Mm -hmm. And it's unfortunately tied to several instances where black women aren't being protected and they're actually being attacked or, or damaged. And the perpetrators are black men. Now, I think we've established uh, over the course of, of our time that this isn't a place where we're uh, bashing black men, but we are holding mm -hmm. black men accountable as black men in many mm -hmm. of our conversations. And I think we have to do it because no one else will. So we have to be the ones, ones to do that, to lead that conversation. So, and you know, reality TV has, it's spruced up a bit. So we don't know all the details on how this stuff happens, how much is fake, how much is real, but we're dealing with the idea because even if everything we see on TV is a hundred percent fake, we do know that this, some of this is people's lived experience. So we're speaking to the idea and the theme itself. So one is, I think of this show um, marriage Boot Camp, where um, I believe it was Tahiri, uh, former, uh, model or a video girl she's on there with the guy she's dating now and um i believe the context was she threw apples at him but then he kind of just grabbed her i believe by her arm or neck i'm not sure and kind of yoked her up and that kind of went viral and sparked a discussion and obviously you know the show wants to get ratings and viewers so they dropped that clip on social media with no context so we're not foolish to be completely um oh my gosh, about things that are meant to get our attention and ratings. But my understanding, it was a real situation that they both spoke to. And he, he I mean, it did happen. Um, and <laughs> she had an issue with it and he had issues with it as well. And of course, the internet had, had issues with it. But something I saw quite a bit was a lot of guys jumping in and saying, well, you know how women are. What's the whole story? And I'm conflicted about that feeling because to me, it, it feels like, man, you just saw him snatch her up. Like, that's where you want to go with this. And yes, you know, we both can do wrong, but I'm uncomfortable with that being the initial reaction. I feel like it's, it's not, we're not in a good space. So in addition to that, everybody seems to know about Meg Thee Stallion, popular female hip hop artist right now. She uh, was out with Tory Lanez and we see she's admitted recently that he was the one that, that shot her and her feet. Um, man, and you know it's just like okay, well, man, just an, another story, and, and and it's it's black men that are doing it, unfortunately, and what really I think kind of is after you've already stabbed, kind of shakes the knife, is that these aren't just random demented men on the street, but these are men that these women are in a romantic space with. So you would think this isn't the relational dynamic that would bring this, but that is the case so often. In addition to that, I'll, I'll end with this one. 
uh, a popular documentary. It's called The Black Love Doc. And it's gotten criticism lately, I've seen online, because you have couples that sit down and talk about their relational experience. But in many cases, the story ends up being a guy talking about, yeah, I did this to her, I did that to her, and then I did this, and then I had three in the room when she wasn't there, and then I did this, and she stayed with me. And here we are. (laughs) You know, it's always this terrible story of he took her through hell and she's a ride or die. And I don't want to get too far ahead, but what I've heard from sisters is, why do I always have to be a strong black woman? And why do I have to hurt to get to love? Why, does I have, why do I have to hurt first? So I know I just threw a lot at you, and I'm sure that has made several light bulbs go off. But what is your, your thoughts about what we're seeing in the public sphere? Well, the first thing, well, there's a lot of things. You're right. There are a lot of things going on in my head. I'm going to try to, you know, hold on. And, you know, you got me when, you know, you're like, okay, in this part. So, so the first thing that came up for me is the importance of us acknowledging that, you know, intimate relationships for black women have been deemed lethal as one of the leading causes of death for black women. You know, and so folks don't like to talk about it either because, I mean, it doesn't feel good. We are often are left without the solution forward. But I think when we're talking about the prevalence of these themes, it's because it is happening and we're not getting the support, the resources and tools around how to hold both folks accountable and how to turn up the fire a little bit for the brothers when we're talking about recognizing what it means to be a brother, right? What does it mean to have access to this other level of 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 masculinity and added strength, um, oftentimes biologically, when we are engaging with or having to deal with our aggression, um, our anger and frustration and aren't sure what to do with it because we haven't either cultivated that energy um, or we don't we just don't know what to do with our anger. I think the reality, too, if we juxtapose this and ground it in from a historical perspective, is that when we're talking specifically about the experiences of um, those of us that are Africans, descendants of Africans enslaved here in the United States and abroad, but specifically talking about the United States, we understand that our we were never really able to cultivate healthy interaction on this land. It was always about um, um, men, black men bearing the brunt of a certain level of labor and being about production, being forced to engage sexually for the purpose of um, the uh, slave master um, and being taught and required to um, enact rape on black women um, for the purposes of pro- of production. And so I think that it is important for us to add that in when we're talking about, you know, well, how did we get here? What is it we're seeing? And why are we seeing these things? Why does uh, social media and media in general continue to put forth these narratives that amplify, yes, some truth, but also Um, socially engineered trauma, right? Like we are, you know, getting more images um, that aren't in alignment with what actually supports the cultivation of a solid black family. And so that's my my first thought is recognizing, yeah, this is a reality and truth. And I'm glad that the the value of it coming up is it does give us an opportunity to be able to talk about it without having the, the worst possible scenario, which is you know, an actual loss of life, right? But I think we also have to talk about the fact that, right, sisters, we be out here. <laughs> we go OFF and we uh, also sort of harp on, I think, this general narrative of the Black men specifically being painted as villains. Um, and we absorb and perpetuate that in, in times, sometimes when it is not... Um, when we really know we need to be honest about the ways that we've been engaged, the way we have been engaging in those in those relationships. And so I think we have to take a both and perspective. We need to make sure that we center our collective humanness. We have to remember that brothers, while 
while y'all have been socialized to sort of separate emotion from your existence, right? We have to remember to humanize, to, to allow space for you all to be human without pacifying. Because the other, the other sort of extreme of this, right, is when black mamas and black women, you know, do sort of absorb this ride or die mentality uh, like, listen, I'm not going to give up on my brothers. I'm not going to, you know, and it's like we can love and hold space for and not give up while also um, holding having a space for accountability and growth. And I think that's that's really, you know, a conversation that's not being had enough. Yeah, I would I would add to that. And I may <laughs> be stepping in it on this, but, you know, I'm I'm glad to have the conversation with you. So I think of it definitely from a twofold perspective. So that's why I say, like, it's not man bashing to hold black men accountable, whether it's coming from a woman or a man. Um, and I think it is twofold. So and I'm glad you mentioned that, because there are some that if I would have tossed that question to them, it would have been. Well, y'all got to do this, and y'all got to do that, and y'all got to do this, which is valid. There are some things that, that we need to do, and that's why we're having a conversation. But I do think some guys uh, don't like conversations like this because sometimes it ends up being one-sided, and there's mm -hmm. never any accountability for grown adult black women. Yeah. And mm -hmm. that, that twofold piece is, for me, I believe in, in holding other black men accountable, men accountable generally, and... I don't welcome certain things in my friend circle as well. So, cause I don't feel like it's okay to stand by idly about seeing a guy exhibit trash behavior, especially if it's toward the woman he, he, he's dating. So mm -hmm. on this one end of the spectrum, I have, uh, you know, if a guy is, is, is willfully just kind of cheating or being verbally abusive, um, physically abusive, like that's something I would, I would call out on a personal level and I think we should too in our relationships if we if we're seeing these toxic patterns especially because everybody wants to be woke and uh, something I I wrote in the in the book is like well how woke can you be if you have a trail of broken black women behind you so we need to associate those things but yeah on the other end of the spectrum something I don't hear discussed enough and this is what some of the the good guys will say well what about this is that there are situations where women can be toxic too Mm -hmm. And I will say I do have a subset of friends who, as far as I know, are quote unquote good dudes, aren't abusive, and they have a mindset that they have to, just like we say, women end up having to put up with whatever. There are some guys that go into relationships with that mindset, too, mm -hmm. and they end up taking a lot from the women. Mm -hmm. I know guys who are currently in abusive relationships where she puts her when the minute something doesn't go her way, she has outbursts, whether they're verbal or physical. And he puts up with it because it's like, well, I'm a man. So I got to. So that it, toxic women exist, too. And there are situations also, especially now being in the, the counseling space. There are times where a um, a female will bring her boyfriend husband to us and say well he needs counseling he needs therapy and then you know one of our partner counselors will recommend that it's couples therapy and then she's shocked to find out that she's doing things wrong too <laughs> in the session because she thought it was well fix him mm -hmm. but there are certain unhealthy norms that i think some women may carry into relationships too but they never get called on it because some guys think that you can't really criticize women because this is idea you can't argue with women because that makes you weak. So mm -hmm. women never get challenged on certain unhealthy norms as well. I've seen, and I think we need to create space for that conversation too. Like, um, I don't think it's okay for anybody to put hands on anybody, regardless of who's doing it or who is being done to. But also, I think this emotional maturity piece is important it's easy for us to say them men are emotionally mature because some don't communicate some are hermits and the assumption is that because women talk because women cry because women scream that they are a quote uh, quote unquote emotion emotionally mature you can be emotional but not mm -hmm. emotionally mature and i've seen some women once again are shocked when they are confronted about some of their unhealthy uh norms and some issues that stem from their childhood that they have to then deal with as an individual before trying to heal someone else. Ooh, 
Ooh, you said a word. Okay. So the <laughs> so I so I have to say this because it was coming up for me too is specifically because of the violence that's being endured by black folks across the board. There is really this um almost like pain Olympics that happens, mm-hmm. but within the the language and centering around equity, right? Around privilege, right? And it is really important to bring this up because for many of my sisters that are that identify as black feminists, right? The the lens sort of is hyper aware of the black woman or or femme experience and doesn't really give too much play to the sort of shared experience within the family, the family system. Um, And so I think that because of terms like privilege and equity and our need to be able to acknowledge um, different um, spaces around power. So there's a there's a scholar by the name of Tommy Curry that speaks specifically to the unique experiences of black men. And he has endured a lot of bashing, right? From black women, like ain't nobody got time to hear whatever you're talking about, about brothers, because black women out here dying. And we, you know, and and I think it's important to lift up this, this aspect of the fact that we have been sort of inundated with this value system that is rooted in in a European perspective, that is rooted in a patriarchal sort of idea. And so you might, you know, folks might be listening and be like, well, what, what what is the relevance of that? What I'm saying is that when we're considering things from a white culture perspective and we're, when we are being required to understand and to absorb this information from this perspective, it doesn't allow for a both and. It doesn't allow for there to be harm on both ends, for, um, for men to have a level of male privilege within a system that's oppressive while also acknowledging that both folks are being harmed in multiple ways by systems. The white cultural framework makes us feel like we have to choose one pain over the other, one narrative over the other. Um, So it's either or instead of both and. And so I think that in order for us to be able to get to a space where we can talk about, yes, the toxicity that um, black women also have the capability and and we are doing our work and have to do our work to heal from, it's allowed, we're allowing the space to do that if we return to a, a holistic perspective that looks at the black family um, generally and allows us to say, yes, all of these things are true. How do we get to healing? How do we get to a space where we can, let's lay it out. Yep, all of these harms have been done. <laughs> all of us are enduring these um, horrific things. Mm-hmm. And let's bring to the table what needs to be addressed between the two of us and and then figure out what to do from there. Um, I I, I mean, I can remember even some of the ways that I was socialized to think about men specifically is that all 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 men want is sex and they ain't smart. And that's it. Right. And these are the (laughs) concepts, right, that, you know, that women are smarter than men, like all of these sort of really binary perspectives. And I think the other aspect of that is recognizing like that. Yeah, women may be good at some things that I mean, but humans like as individuals, we are good at some things and not others. And yeah, we've been trained, I, I can say, at least from my perspective and from my experience of holding space for black women we've been trained to be dismissive um and for us to not really be able to be held accountable and so the value for black women and the reason why i do my work is because being held accountable within a sisterhood allows um a unique kind of space to be able to grow and to be able to develop the maturity that you're talking about but the the challenge here though um, and Malik, I know you can speak to this, is that oftentimes, you know, the the Black men that I'm in community with, the men in general that I'm in community with, oftentimes the deep relationships that are had are with other women and not a lot, not, not going as in depth 
with other men. And and there is the sort of challenge around this, like what happened to <laughs> this communing of like of brothers holding each other accountable so that they can grow. Um, how do we reorient to some of the original value systems that are um, embedded in, and I can say, speak to specifically black culture around community, around village, around accountability, around connecting with elder wisdom? Like, how can we get back to that um, so we can be more intact? And so sisters don't feel like they're carrying so much weight. I really think that's what it is. Sisters mm-hmm. be like, listen, I'm handling this, 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 and this. You handling these three things, mm-hmm. Mm-mm, mm-hmm. like give me a pass. And it really shouldn't be that, but it becomes a tit for tat. Right. Yeah. And I would I would want to highlight for brothers to hear this specifically that it's not that sisters get a pass for toxic behavior, but in some cases we need to consider the broader context. Um I I came in my adult years to an understanding that I had a great mom. She's and she was a single mom for an extended period of time. Right. until she remarried. But I also came to terms with the fact that because she had, you know, my my biological father had a drug issue, so he wasn't around. So she had to hold everything down by herself. (laughs) She didn't know her father and her mother was uh, an alcoholic. So from a very young age, she had to hold everything down, and it's just her. <laughs> um, and then you have these these kids come along, first child at 15 years old, and then I came uh, later. Um, and what I realized was a lot of her overprotection came from her having to take care of everything. She didn't get to <laughs> relax. I realized that she didn't uh, ever fully go into a deep sleep. She always slept kind of, I don't know the different rim levels, but whatever it is, she slept at the level where she, yeah, she was at a one. And I (laughs) I would be in my room out, don't know what's going on, but she always had to be aware because she never knew what was going on. And then also, I think there's a level of uh, hardness that some black women experience from having to do all those things and being worn out. So then when brothers come with the critique that may be valid, but not saying it the right way or not identifying with all these this previous stuff that I just mentioned, it's kind of like I can't even have that conversation with you because you haven't acknowledged or considered the yes. context. Um, so I think when it comes to relationships, context and understanding your partner, whether it be son to mom, sister to brother, husband to wife or whatever understanding that person's context is so important and how you talk to them. And once again, no one's getting a pass, but I think some of these conversations will go better if brothers would take the time to identify with the context that this sister's coming from. And unfortunately, many people stay in very deep romantic relationships without ever truly understanding each other or the history that has shaped why this person is the way they are. Um, I'll add this, um, or I'll ask this, in terms of what you've seen in your practice space, what you've seen as an individual woman uh, in your relationship, but also what you and other uh, peers, women, talk about, uh, if you could just speak, which you are, if you, if you could speak to black men specifically, and it's okay in this particular part of the conversation to not feel like you have to address both sides. In this case, I want brothers to open the ears up and just hear from someone who's thought through this, not from a emotional reactionary perspective, but a communal wholeness and wellness perspective. Where are some ways that we may be missing the mark? How can we do better? And so that's an excellent question. And I'm actually going to ground it on the experiences that I've had of receiving it within brotherhood kind of relationships. Um, some of the the best um, experiences that I've had of being held by black men it, within and us sort of functioning like siblings, even though we're not blood related, is like a, a check-in, like a, hey, sis, I saw this. Are, are you okay? Or let me come and check on you. I'm bringing you lunch. 
It's not anything romantic, right? Like I am a whole married black woman to another black man, but my husband, no, this is my brother and he coming to check on me, right? And so being able to hold the space to just be able to listen and, and understand what's going on and offering insight. Um, you know, I have, I'm privileged to be able to have a lot of brothers that, that, well, I don't say a lot, a handful of brothers that are really, really excellent listeners that are attentive to body language and have prepared themselves to be able to, um, allow space for the wide range of emotion. Right. Um, and so that, that is something that like, while I know they can actually do that with me as their sister, I also know they have challenges and hardship doing that in their intimate relationships, right? And so that there is also this nuance that needs to be identified around, you know, how personal we are taking information. So brothers, if you are, you know, perhaps you are really great at holding space for your sister friend that, you know, you look at her like a sister or she is your actual sister or she is your mom or whatever, like looking at that and what goes well there and acknowledge, okay, what strengths are you utilizing there that you could be also applying in your intimate relationships? The other thing is to expand the concept of your responsibility, right? So, um, I can remember a time when I was in college and um, a, 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 a black man was really verbally abusive, right? And I was just walking on campus. I was minding my business and the black man was, was abusive, was coming up to me, was catcalling me, was, you know, really trying to get my attention. And there were at least four other black men that walked by and mind their business, minded their business, Right when really the responsibility should be to hold space for for black women, right? It, it is, this is not the time to mind our business. We understand that we are on a consistent level of enduring harm. And so um, I feel like the expectation for for black women, for children, for, fo- for black folks as a wider community is for black men to take responsibility for your community, right? And it not have to be that you know us personally, right? That you you don't have to know all of the details. You know violence when you see it and you know that you've been, you're being called to some sort of action. And you can take a wide range of how you respond, but allowing your presence to be known will allow space for us to be able to get to the cultivation of true village and community and what's necessary for all of our healing, right? Um, I think the um, ongoing ex- uh, experience of feeling like brothers are not present, they're, they're, they're there, but they're not present, they're not aware, they're not engaged um, when it comes to our collective safety is, uh, is, is really painful and makes it really hard for us to be able to say that we'll have a genuine conversation with a brother. <laughs> And it's like, you won't even hold us down. You're not holding us down. Like, what's going on? Um, I think that there needs to be some brothers need to do some work around privilege, right? And recognizing and male privilege. There's a, there's, I've gotten into a few debates with folks, um, with black men saying, you know, I don't have no privilege because I'm not white. Um, and I think that we have to be a bit, we have to recognize the complexity of this a little bit more, right? And recognize that we've been socialized in a very patriarchal society. And that while like your identity as a black man is unique, challenging, but also a gift, right? We need to identify those complexities and still contend with, well, in what ways am I upholding patriarchal um, um, perspectives? In what ways was I taught or, or, or um, cultivated in this in this culture? Um, in what ways am I seeking to uphold sort of white societal perspectives of masculinity as opposed to those that I really feel like are in alignment with like my own identity? Um, and then the last thing that I will say, um, maybe, <laughs> is that <laughs> I really need to be open 
to some of the more softer ways of communing with your emotions and your experiences. And so the story that comes up for me is there's this brother who I know is going to watch this because he's the bomb, um, but he's also a therapist. But, But when I first met him, I was teaching a group of social workers how to meditate um, using a traditional Chinese form of of meditation called Qigong. So if you heard of Tai Chi, Tai Chi is the martial art form. Qigong is the healing art. And he was the only brother in the room, which is a whole nother way, right? Like you're in a room full of women um, and everybody talk about doing some meditation and sisters out here doing their healing circles. And ain't no, like, this is not the, the space that's usually centering the black male experience. But when he can't, he refused to participate in the meditations um, and the movements because he said that he felt like it was for women. Right. And it wasn't until I said, well, my teacher was a black man. These are rooted in sort of uh, historic uh, healing ways of, of, of men. What do you mean? This is for this is just for women. Meditation is just for women. That's too soft. I ain't got time for, for all of this. It's a really big barrier to being able to actually heal your body from the generations long trauma that you have endured as well. I always say, you know, we're doing healing seven generations back and seven generations forward. Right. That is that if you existed in your mother's womb, all of the seven women, seven uh, generations back, you're carrying you are embodying that both the power and the pain of that experience. So in order for you to heal yourself, you really need to allow yourself to soften, to breathe, to be in your body, to connect to whatever your spiritual practice is, to allow yourself to cry, to release. Because what traditional Chinese medicine and other insights have us know is that emotions are energy. And you holding all of this stuff stuff in. I mean, listen, if it means you go into the go into box or if it means you're gonna do yoga, if it means you're gonna do Tai Chi or you're gonna do uh Taekwondo, whatever it is, if if it means that you're just gonna exercise, please connect intention and healing and your feelings and emotions that you've been bottling up to that experience, or we will not be able to truly engage deeply. Yeah, that's that's really good, and you know I'm I'm all for just this a uh, uh, a rebirth of how we view masculinity because it's just so interesting. There's so many things that we think we're we're barred from participating in for whatever reason, not really any basis for it. But uh, I hope that 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 is well received. I'm, I'm glad you you hit on those points. I'm going to land the plane with this, and this is going to be the big one. So. <laughs> Imagine that first <laughs> section was maybe three light bulbs. This is probably going to be 10. So this conversation about how we communicate with each other as black men to black women is encouraging to me, but it's also stressful because I see certain things that I know, man, that's going to take a while to undo that and heal that. Um. So I'll just give you some examples of how I've heard the issue that I know is there addressed by different people. So one, I think um, what I observed is, and this is at all areas, this isn't just millennials or generation, I guess, wide now, but even, it even goes before that, mm-hmm. um, where I felt it seems as if though relationships have turned into a competition of who can care the least to avoid being hurt. And it seems as if though what used to be a culture of men or dogs, all they want is sex. It has now become a thing where women are like, well, I'll be two can play that game. <laughs> and it's become a thing where women are like, you know, that's all I wanted. I, I don't want anything more. I, I know guys that have cried because a woman has, has done them dirty. Um, so, so there's that dynamic where it seems as if though people want relations but not relationship. Uh, some context for that. Amanda Seals, uh, actress, comedian, uh, she has a podcast called Small Doses. And we have this clip on the Whole Brother Mission Instagram page. But she, she said that uh, she was in therapy and she was talking about, uh, I forgot the word she used, but it was some type of uh, trauma 
and she said that many black men, which is true, I, I've I've seen it, I know the stories, well documented. Many black men's first sexual experience was while they were a minor with an adult black woman. And she said, you know, when that's his experience, that will alter how he views women for the rest of his life. And I think many of us as guys just see it as a notch on our belt, but don't realize how we also feel kind of taken advantage of and then internalize a perspective on women that isn't helpful for actual deep relationship. It becomes very transactional. I heard it worded this way is that many brothers look at sex as something you do to women, not with women. So it's like, well, yeah, I, I smashed her. Um, and what was once seen as an intimate uh, thing that two people are sharing is now something I can hang over your head. Mm -hmm. And the last example I'll use is something that pissed me off was, uh, I think I said this in the last episode too, so you could tell I'm really bothered by it. <laughs> but, <laughs> this guy, uh, Gilly the Kid, is now, I guess his name is Gilly the King now. He's, he, was on, he did an uh, Instagram video, and he was talking about, uh, this, is, this is a grown man, I think he's 40 plus. And he was talking about, he did a video on Instagram, and he said, you know, you women on Instagram, on these different social media platforms, shaking your ass and doing all this stuff. He said, you know, yeah, y'all might look good, and, and I may smash you, but I'll never wipe you. You'll never get that title. And he's kind of, at the same time, putting down the women that he also would sleep with. And I, I, something guys don't unpack. I've, I've been pushing this, and I know guys aren't really prepared for it, but it's just this, like, this duplicity that we live with where if you can talk down on her for being half naked on social media or, or being a stripper, whatever the case may be, but you'll also sleep with her, those same critiques that you're leveraging at her, how do those things have no bearing on you? Mm -hmm. If it makes her small, minuscule, uh, unimportant, and it takes away from her value, how do those same things not apply to you? So we have this, this ability, and not just in a sexual context, but I think this is what hinders our communication where I can be intimately and many of us think this way. I can be intimately involved with you, unprotected sex with you and trusting you with my body, but at the same time, think lowly of you. At, and, and I know that might be confounding for women, but we have this ability to trust you with our bodies, but also think very lowly of you. And I know that I think that creates a lot of confusion where women are like, we just had the most, passionate sex and then the next day you treat me like you don't know me and they just don't understand it's like you're confusing me because i'm thinking we have something special but for many of us we have the ability to do both and there's a lot that can go into that but i wanted to put that out there and go ahead and let you <laughs> respond okay. wherever you want to take it hmm, where do i want to start <laughs> okay so <laughs> So first, I think that it's really important, and this is a longer conversation that, you know, we don't have time for right now, but right. I think that it is important for us to challenge the association of sex for anybody mm -hmm. um, as associated with value right. and, and engagement. I think we also have to acknowledge that we don't have good boundaries or expectations around what sex means. Now, for those of us that are um, uh, grounded in a specific spiritual orientation, you know, we have these specific ideas that seemingly only uh, seem accountable or, or related to black women or to women generally. <laughs> um, you know, so if you're if you identify as a Christian, then it's like you're not supposed to have sex till you get married, except maybe that's just a woman because you're supposed to know when she's a virgin or not. I think that the, the sort of sanctity associated with, with sex and the falsehood of virginity needs to be shattered because that is grounded and rooted in a patriarchal perspective and notion. So I'm going to say that first because, because it isn't that what 
the guy said that pissed you off was correct. It wasn't. But it's that should we be identifying value based off of sex at all in general? Like, I think that's a conversation that we need to have and we need to ground it in like a value and, and community and autonomy over our bodies and sexuality. So that's the first thing. And I think that the response um, of women deciding that they're going to have relations without relationship is rooted in that. Um, it's, it is, I think it's often rooted with the intent to harm, right? I've been harmed so much. I'm going to use this here. But I also think that if we begin to separate personal value with sex, with sex, um, how many you had, how many you've been with, or how many you smashed, if we separate those things out, then we get to have a conversation about, um, the ability to be able to have um, sexual intercourse for different reasons and because y'all adults and you need to make smart, intelligent and, and decisions that set out boundaries that are clear. What is the expectation here? So that's the first thing that we really need to separate and shatter the sort of pa patriarchal aspects um, and, and, and contend with the religious implications of our thoughts about sex. I think that we need to have a conversation, we need to set, and we need to have clear boundaries and communication about what it is we're doing, why we're doing it, and who needs to be there, and what that what, what that's about. And then the, the overarching conceptualization that you expressed, Malik, um, which I sort of mentioned in the beginning, but I'm going to bring up again because it's, it's really relevant. I mean, I think we really need to have a talk about historical trauma and the transgenerational trauma, right? Dr. Joy DeGruy in her book, Post-Traumatic Slave Syndrome, speaks specifically about what is the long-lasting impact on Black men, those that are, that who have lineages that have been enslaved, what is the implication of a black man being told or being forced to have sex with hundreds of women on several plantations and impregnating as many of them as possible when he actually is married, has a family on the plantation that he's trying to hold hands with, that he's trying to um, trying to maintain. I think that that the concept of of the work mule, the concept of 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 having um, fathered many children um, and then finding that your wife partner again on, on the plantation is being raped over and over again by a white man who's who, who deems himself your slave master what kind of impact does does that have on the historical psyche and the collective psyche of black men we need to discuss what is and 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 this is important because it, it these actions bastardized and traumatized us and distorted the perception of sexuality or sex as intimacy and sensuality and engagement and spirituality and how all those things come together it's been um we've had to endure a grave deal of pain as a result of that i would invite us to contend with the truth that a young, a minor black boy having sex with an adult black woman isn't sex, that's rape. And I think it's really important for us to get clear about that if you, quote, lost your virginity or your first time was with an adult or older black person or older woman at all, that that contributes to the over-sexualization, harm, and trauma that you have endured with the conceptualization of your body, and your autonomy, and your power. Um, that's not sex. That's rape. We need to talk about that. And we need to talk about the coping mechanism often used as taking that as a badge of honor, as opposed to acknowledging it as a, a, a harm or a pain that needs to be addressed from perhaps a therapeutic or a healing oriented conversation. Um, so yeah, that that's a heavy thing. Um, I think 
that 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 has contributed to the dehumanization of black men. And I would invite every brother listening to this to really reflect on their relationship with themselves, their body, their concept of their their physical value, because that's really what we're talking about. When you could say that that man said, I will smash you, but I won't wife you. And that he's feeling the need to separate these two things that serves a purpose. And that, to me, indicates a great deal of of pain that needs to be um, addressed and healed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm not I can't trace everything back to slavery, but I imagine there are connections there and to other things as well. But I would just add that as a man and two men that I think we need to begin to perceive ourselves out specifically as black men because i think in many cases we are sexualized even by people that may have racist views of us honestly um, yes and this yes might, this might this might sound like a joke but i think it's it's very valid you know we we don't like stereotypes when they're racist of course but we don't mm-hmm. we don't mind certain stereotypes that stroke our ego yeah my my first year on campus at a at a white college i had about three white girls were talking to me and one of them asked you know is what they say about black guys true and you know most if it now and you you made that face but if i if i told that when i tell that story to brothers their mm-hmm. follow-up is all right so what'd you do with them you know like the the thought process mm-hmm. is oh that's an open door take advantage mm-hmm. smash all three but mm-hmm. I I didn't um and I'm, I'm not gonna get into my preferences but I, I wasn't interested uh but <laughs> you know I didn't take that open door to then follow through and I but think, did you um, consider the compliment like did you laugh and you know did it feel like uh mm, what did you say oh well my my response was. Uh, no stereotype is true across the board. And when I say that, most guys are underwhelmed. Like, damn, man, why didn't you? I, I, I didn't, because it was like, you're supposed to say, well, yeah, you should find out. Like, that's what I was, was expected yeah. of me. But I was like, nah, I'm not. Yeah, I mean, I had just gotten to college. Like, and I had a different yeah. perspective. You know, I've been thinking through yeah, things obviously. in a deeper way for a while. Yeah, so I wasn't the average college student. But once again, the expectation is this sexual monster that can conquest anything, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not uh, anti-good sex or whatever the case may be, but I think that way too young black boys think that I'm supposed to be this... One, we think we can't say no. You can't turn mm-hmm. a woman down for sex because that makes you gay. And that's an ongoing mindset that I do think some women do contribute toward that. So it's like you can't say no. And it's mm-hmm. all—it's almost as if I don't have an identity outside of what I can do. When I'm dealing with women, I don't have a purpose outside of just fulfilling whatever their sexual need is. So I yes. know there are some men that don't even think that we can have preferences. It's just if a woman comes at you first, you have to give her what she wants because that's, that's what you do. You, you, you meet that need. You fill that void. Um, and then beyond that, uh, I think that we can't find identity in that because once again that example i use most guys would take pride in that and be like well yeah you know let me show you or yeah it's true um but the issue with that is it works in that context when you're trying to get you know uh some sex but it doesn't work when you have white pundits on the news telling lebron to shut up and dribble because it's mm-hmm. like, you have your purpose. This is the box that we put you in. So we appreciate being put in that box in one context, but not another. Um, yeah. So we can't accept it at all. Um, but then in addition to that, I think in our relationships with black women, we, many of us might not say it out loud, but we accept the role of, yeah, I'm just here to to give her what she wants. And some guys might not even mind uh saying something like well i'm only good for one thing you know only having something to contribute in the bedroom and while some and i think hip-hop can contribute to this would take pride in that like well you know i can't do nothing right but i sure could put it down like not letting that be an acceptable bar anymore um because we have so much more to contribute oh go ahead i was just gonna say 
whenever I'm um, teaching folks around about what internalized or injected oppression is, um, I t- I'm talking about it from a perspective around racism. So injected oppression is when you sort of absorb the uh, status quo, the stereotypes around racism, and you believe them, and then you reenact them in your own life. Well, for me, listening and and what we see and what you're articulating to me that 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 sings true of injected oppression, right? That you have been relegated to your responsibility is only on the physical, sports and sex. That's it. And if you do those things, then that then we'll we'll celebrate you. And I I would invite, I would I would request, I would almost plead <laughs> with black men to shatter those concepts by uprooting that that injected oppression within you, like because I but because it, it screams low self esteem, a diminished experience of value. So reclaim your value, your personal value by doing this deep heart work, right? Of, of reconciling this and redefining it for yourself so that you can be a whole person. Like you straight up been like dehumanized by sex and sport and, and any physical sort of um, characteristic. Mm-hmm. Well, I think we've had a, 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 a loaded rich. conversation. Rich, yeah, there we go. <laughs> and there's so much more we could touch on. So we may do it again when... Uh, as, as we uh, try to survive through what is doctoral studies. Uh, but I do want to um, give people a chance to learn more about you and connect with you beyond this space. So if you could share your uh, contact info and mm-hmm. maybe some more about, about what you do for those that may be interested, that may need your services, uh, or who, uh, who may be looking to um, support your work. Absolutely. So um, I can be found on uh, Instagram at Healassista. That's H-E-A-L-A-S-I-S-T-A. Um, I'm on Twitter, Shauna M. Brown with an E. Um, and Facebook, Shauna Murray Brown, LCSWC. My website is shaunamurraybrown.com. Don't forget that E, y'all. Um, and my work. So the things that are coming up right now for me is a couple of things. One is I'm in the thick of training um, therapists, mental health professionals all over the world um, from a perspective that grounds itself in how do we decolonize therapy for black folks. Um, And so after these therapists complete their assessments and I review all of them with my team, we will be launching soon a directory Um, of practitioners that have completed this 16-hour training experience that roots them in thinking about um, what does it mean to provide a liberation-focused healing experience that acknowledges systems of oppression um, and that seeks to, to help you remember how to heal yourself. And so that directory, you can find it at www.therapythatliberates.com. And so if you follow me on Instagram, you'll be um, able to get all of the updates regarding that. And then the last thing for anybody listening, if you know that you need to do some work um, around your healing journey and you want to do it in a way that is convenient considering these COVID times, um, if you go to my website and click on courses, you can put yourself on the wait list for my um, virtual healing studio. It's called Return to Presence. It's made specifically for folks that um, work in human services and education and policy um, or in the nonprofit sector and medicine. Anyone that's working with people with the intention of um, for furthering social change, you can sign up and later get access to um, aerobics or fitness classes, yoga, a meditation, and a workbook where I support folks in being able to do a lot of this deep healing um, experience from a collective space and with accountability. Perfect. Well, thank you for joining me, Shauna. And remember that website is shaunamurraybrown.com. Don't forget the E. In addition to that, uh, if you're if this conversation stood out to you or it's something that you're trying to dig into more specifically for the brothers, but also for women or anyone looking at our communal structure or families as well, I would encourage you 
uh, right here to my left, uh, our, our first resource at the Whole Brother Mission, uh, written by me, but with contributions from some of our partner counselors, Whole Brother, debunking the myths that break the black family, dealing with these ide ideas and themes of family, but also masculinity, how men view it and how uh, misperceived notions of manhood can then affect our interpersonal relationships. So we're looking at this from, from both perspectives, how we can get to a better space as individuals, to create a better community. So thank you for joining us. This has been the Whole Brother Mission Podcast.